O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heaven, the way of your work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortalists that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with the glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last week, we started talking about what it looks like to be in an era of weariness. I don't know if that's how you feel. That's how I feel. Like we're just in an era, a time of weariness. And so recognizing that and recognizing our need to be replenished, renewed, refueled, re-energized, whatever re-word you would like to put in there, that one resource that we have to be able to find strength is prayer. And yes, I, I had to recognize last week, I'm gonna have to recognize again this week and the weeks following, that that might be the most cliche thing that a pastor could ever recommend to you is prayer. But I want to recommend it with a, a little bit of a twist, not a twist, but a maybe a twist that we look at the Psalms as our guides for prayer. Because in an era of weariness, that's what the community of faith does. We turn to our God and we turn to our tradition, our heritage. The Psalms are a book of 150 prayers. It's awesome. Biggest book in the Bible, 150 prayers, songs, meditations, resources, that the community of faith before us has compiled together in their hard times, in their good times, and everything in between. And it is something that we have had passed on to us, some of these psalms, almost 3,000 years later. That's awesome. This ancient resource is still something that we can draw on today as our guide to prayer. Yet. In order to fully understand how to utilize this resource, I think that we need to pay some attention to the cycles and seasons that we move through in our lives. And yes, there are cycles and seasons, and it's not ever really all that new. As Ecclesiastes reminds us, there is nothing new under the sun. We just go through these cycles and seasons all over again, learning differently each time. And understanding these cycles and seasons might help us to understand how to employ the different psalms that are present. Because each one has its own unique heartbeat. Each psalm was written during a different era that was going on in the life of the people right there. Some of these psalms are great psalms of rejoicing, very much like the one that we have before us today. Some of these psalms are deep lament psalms. These are the psalms in which the, the, the author is literally crying out to God, asking for help, asking for peace. 
recognizing some great need in their lives. There are some psalms that are just angry psalms. Whether angry at God or angry at the world or whatever, they're there. And they kind of give us permission that God's not going to strike us down with lightning if we raise our voice to God. Praise for that, because otherwise I'd be a burnt crisp. And we have psalms all over the place for different occasions. And, and like I said last week, the, the psalms are classified in a million different ways depending on the scholar that you ask. Once again, you can just go on Google right now and search types of psalms. And the first response is going to say there are five types of psalms. The second one's going to say eight. One of them is going to say 20. There's one out there that says there are 40 different types. All right, fine. That's, that's cool. I want, I'm going to draw our attention to only three types of psalms. And this typology was concocted by a, uh, a theologian, Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann uh, identified that, that the cycles that we as human beings go through and experience can be classified uh, in, in sort of three phases. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. All right, so to be oriented means to be essentially facing, right? It means to, to have a direction. So to be, to be oriented means to know your direction. To be disoriented, I spin around enough, I'm not going to do that because I'll fall. To be disoriented means to lose that direction, that facing, that guidance there. To be reoriented means to be brought back to that direction. And, uh, and so Walter Brueggemann identified these three types of psalms uh, throughout the book as kind of encompassing the many different seasons, cycles that we as humans go through, and really tries to encapture nearly every imaginable condition of the human experience. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Uh, the next two weeks we'll talk about the last two. Today we're going to focus on orientation. And these are the psalms that we know. These are the psalms that we like go to. These are the comfortable psalms. Like if you think about the psalms and you think about like what's in the psalms, chances are you're probably imagining a psalm of orientation. There are a lot of them in there. The, uh, psalms of orientation call, us, call our attention to what it's like to be in the midst of a good life. When things are working right, when things are going your way, when you're just feeling balanced. My wife, Kristen, came home uh, one day the other week and uh, you know, we debrief on each other's days and she just said, I just feel balanced today. I don't know how else to describe it. I just feel like, like you know, everything that could be going wrong and everything that could be going right, it doesn't matter. I'm just at peace with how it is. This is orientation. This is what Psalms of Orientation are geared to. Uh, these, these are the Psalms when everything is going right, we just feel balanced. Uh, I, I imagine that this isn't the most common experience for us these days, to feel balanced, to feel like everything is just going exactly right, to feel like, you know what, I'm in a good spot. I'll be honest with you. It's very rare that I have an oriented day, a balanced day. There's always something trying to throw us off course. And so for those times as well, Psalms of Orientation remind us uh, that there still exist things around us that are balanced, that are oriented toward God. 
and, and, and our psalm before us today is one of such psalms. And this particular one calls us to acknowledge that we find balance when we understand our place in God's creation. We find balance when we understand our place in God's creation. I'm going to remind us just uh, once more of what William read for us earlier from Psalm 8. O oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There is something in our world that will constantly be oriented toward God, and that is God's own creation. There is always that to keep our attention right there on God. Remember uh, that verse in, in Romans that said, all of creation is pointing to your name, God. And so Psalm 8 is one of these, which are called Psalms of Creation, that remind us that our orientation, our balance is found when we understand our place in God's creation. 1969 was a pretty fun year for humanity. Uh, we had the Apollo 11 mission. And in addition uh, to the astronauts that went up there, there was one really unique item that went up into space uh, with, with our astronaut friends. And it wasn't really a piece of useful equipment, but it was a little disc, a little silicon disc that contained 73 different messages on it from various countries. And there was a message on there from the Vatican. Anybody guess what that message was or know what that message was? I'll give you a hint. You've heard it twice today. Psalm 8. Whoa. Psalm 8. That was the passage that was chosen by the Pope at the time to go up on the Apollo 11 mission to land on the moon. Psalm 8. Remember those words. O oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? See, I think that this is a really profound message that went up on the Apollo 11 uh, mission because it acknowledges something so simple. The insignificance of humanity in the face of all that God has done. Have you ever seen, there's, there's a video that's out there on the internet and they've remade it a, a million times, but it's a little video that starts with the size of a human being, the average size of a human being. 
and then it starts comparing the size of a human being to other larger objects. You know, it gets up to like, a, go to a car. Eventually there's like a, uh, the Burj Khalifa's in there, the world's tallest building, and it mountains, and then eventually the Earth. And then uh, the Earth is next to like Jupiter, and Jupiter next to the Sun, and it keeps growing our solar system, the, the largest uh, stars that we know of. It gets to our galaxy, then it gets to uh, our local cluster, then the local super Supercluster and eventually gets all the way out to the uh, full size of the observable universe. Um, I don't know if, if, if you know this, but the size of a human being next to the size of the observable universe is infinitesimally insignificant, tiny little creatures that we are, microscopic little creatures that we are. We are shown right here in Psalm 8 the insignificance of humanity and that despite our insignificance, God chooses us. I feel like for some reason that, that message right there didn't sink in quite enough. So, so let me say it a different way. If you had the uh, inhuman capacity to travel at the speed of light, which would probably disintegrate you immediately, but if you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to get across our one galaxy amongst billions. Just our one galaxy, 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light. And yet, God chooses us. Our sun, closest star to us, you know, provides warmth and light, source of life, you know, that whole thing. That sun is approximately 4.6 billion years old. The lifespan of the average human is about 79 years. Yet God chooses us. We have present before us in Psalm 8 God's infinite greatness. Consider for just a moment that there is an entity who is able to speak and all of the vastness of our universe is able to come into conception and reality and take on form and physics. And then we have human humanity's continuous shortcomings and failures and our struggle to, to even get by a single day, the fragility of our very existence, and yet God chooses us. In other words, what we have before us, present in Psalm 8, is this understanding that God, as creator, turns weakness into strength turns lowliness into greatness. Because as the psalmist says, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Despite the insignificance of humanity, God chooses us. Even take for a moment Verse 2 of this passage, a simple one to skip past. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark. A bulwark is a, a fortress, right? 
out of the mouths of infants and babes. Um, I, I don't know, you know if, if, you, if you've ever been around a, a, an infant before, there are very few creatures in existence that are as helpless as a, as a newborn child. Right? This, is, this is human life at its most fragile right here. And yet, out of the mouths of babes and infants, God has founded a fortress turning weakness into strength. Psalm 8 is, is quoted throughout the rest of the Bible um, dozens and dozens of times. Jesus even quotes Psalm 8 whenever, uh, whenever some of the uh, disciples are, and, and religious leaders are, are like appalled that children are coming to Jesus. That children are coming to Jesus and, and they're, they're appalled like, why would you let a child that close to you and like take up your time? You're kind of the Messiah. We need you to do something over here. And Jesus quotes Psalm 8 and says, Out of the mouth of babes and infants, God has founded a fortress. Right? This is, this is the God that Psalm 8 is stringing together for us. The God who takes that which is insignificant and makes it significant. Not out of anything that that one, that that insignificant thing did, but simply because that's who God is. This is the God who takes weakness and lowliness and brings strength and status. Not out of anything that the weak and lowly have done, but simply because that is who God is. In other words, this psalm, one of dozens of psalms of orientation is trying to remind us of our place in God's creation, that we are insignificant, tiny, and yet God chooses us. So if we have anything to be thankful for in the world, and oftentimes we may not feel like there is anything, Psalm 8 is reminding us that we can be oriented to this one thing. That no matter what other chaos is out there in the world, no matter how far we may feel like we have fallen, God has still chosen us with the greatest of love and the utmost grace and compassion. God has chosen us. And so Psalms of Orientation, like Psalm 8, guiding us to this perspective of what we do have also remind us that in the good times, we are called to praise and gratitude. When things are going right, when things just feel like, man, this is like the best day of my life. When things are going right, we have a tendency to kind of uh, thank ourselves for that, to ascribe to ourselves or our people that we have accomplished this great thing. Psalms of Orientation call us not to forget God, but to remember that God is God. So when things are going right, Psalms of Orientation remind us that there is praise to be had, glory to be given to God, gratitude to be, to be held in our hearts for the God of the universe who brought into existence all things great and small and looked upon the insignificance of humanity and said, I choose you. Beautiful. There are other psalms of orientation out there, and if you've got something to write with, you can go ahead and jot a few of these down. Um, and they come in different 
subcategories, if you will. Uh, there are uh, songs of creation, which is very similar to the one that we have before us today. Psalm 8 is a song of creation. Others are Psalm 33, 104, and 105. I'm just going to be shouting off a string of numbers here, but you know, just for your reference. Then there are songs of Torah. These are the songs of instruction and guidance. This is, we, we heard one of these last week. Psalm 1 is one of them, along with Psalm 15, 19, 24, and 119. Ooh, Psalm 119. That's a good one to pray. If you're looking for something to pray, dive into Psalm 119. Then we have wisdom psalms. Uh, these are the psalms that call upon God's wisdom and also lifts up wisdom above everything else. These are those like Psalm 14 and Psalm 37. And then we also have songs of occasion for well-being, when you just feel good. Uh, that includes Psalm 131 and Psalm 133. Psalm 133 is a weird one. It's, it's the one that says, uh, it is good when a family is together. It's like that of new oil flowing down Aaron's beard. I don't know why the psalmist chose that analogy, but some, oil on the beard is like being with good family. Take that as you will. But these are the kind of psalms of orientation that we have before us, the psalms that remind us that God is still good, even in the midst of all of the darkness we have in our world. And God is still God, even in the midst of all of the chaos that humanity brings to the world. They remind us that God should be remembered in our lives. These are the psalms of orientation. And so my challenge for us today as we reflect on these kind of psalms, they may not be the kind of psalm that you want to pray right now. But at least take a lesson from them and remember to turn to God in the good times. Oh, how often we are quick to pray in the bad times, calling upon the name of God to fix everything. Let's also do the same in the good times, to call on God with praise and thanksgiving and glory and honor. I want to read you uh, the, the first couple of verses from Psalm 33, which is another psalm of orientation, one that reminds us of God in the good times. Psalm 33 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise benefits the upright. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And it carries on. It's another great one to, to pay attention to. But this is one that says, you know what? Sometimes you just need to make some music. Even if you're not musical, you just got to make some music because that is praising God. Sometimes you just have to lift up your voice. Sometimes you just have to stomp around. Sometimes you just have to clap your hands, whatever it might look like. Psalms of orientation remind us to turn to God in the good times. So let us come before God with praise and gratitude. Let us be a people that in an era of weariness, we might recall that God is with us. Let us be like the Pope who saw this great feat of human achievement to take people to the moon and actually stand on the moon and said, you know what? This isn't about humanity. This is about God. 
Let us be the people who are willing to say, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us be people who turn to God in the good times, turn to the Psalms in prayer, and remember that out of God's infinity, God has chosen us. And let us pray.